Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back, my friends, to Fragmenters. Today is a lovely day. I hope it is for you as well. I am sitting here with Dana Niger. She is the co-founder and the CHRO of Hive Talent Acquisition Firm. And excitedly, when you hear this, she has probably launched her first book, which is Before I Knew It, They Were Gone. Hello, Dana. Welcome. Hi, Dina. Thanks so much for having me. How did you get into the talent acquisition business? Yeah, I actually fell into it completely accidentally. (laughs) It wasn't necessarily something that I sought out. I graduated from Agnes Scott in 2002, just to date myself. It's a the private women's college in Decatur, Georgia. Uh, go Scotties. <laughs> and it was 2002. So that was actually a recession year. I was senior class president. So I knew what all of my ladies were doing. And most of us were actually going to grad school. A few of us had secured jobs. I was one of those, but I fancied myself a financial advisor who couldn't pass tests. So that didn't go very well when I was trying to pass the series seven and the series six, six, right? So then I said, F it and (laughs) took off around the world for about two years, just traveling by myself, meeting cool people, backpacking all over Europe, came back to the States. And a girlfriend of mine said, Hey, uh, I'm recruiting with this staffing firm and we need people. Let's work together. So I said, okay, (laughs) because why not? Right. It was time to grow up and actually get a job. And as it turned out, we kicked butt in that firm for about a year. And then her uncle recruited us to start his new division in his specific recruiting firm. It was intellectual property law placement that he did, very high level stuff that he did. And we started his legal support staff section. And so we were working on a daily basis in the greater metro Atlanta area, just getting to know those kinds of people. The legal support staff is, you know, legal receptionists, legal secretaries, paralegals, um, even legal nurses, legal LRNs, I think is what they were called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of fun. And of then fun. you were like, I'm doing great here, but I want to do it myself. Uh, yeah, that, that was many, many <laughs> years ago before I got to this point. If you really want to know the truth, Dina, I never saw myself as a business owner at all. I was always that person who was like, no, I'm going to work my way up in corporate recruiting or, you know, even in a staffing agency or something. And I'll get into management at some point. And that's what I want. I don't want to have to run my own thing. Well, (laughs) I worked with that firm and really was raised in recruiting there. The hands-on training was phenomenal Mm -hmm. and then was there for about five years, then went to another firm that was on the uh, agency side of recruiting then got recruited away from there and started my own division with a brand new startup firm that's still in business and doing incredibly well, no longer a startup firm. But from there, I gave that about three years. Then I went to the corporate side. And so I was corporate in-house recruiting on a high level for an international company that was in, I want to say, life sciences and and scientific instruments. Very, very cool. Oh, wow. recruiting in things I had never even touched in before. And it was really exciting. Everything from geologists to all different kinds of engineers, even even hourly employees as well. And that was a lot of fun. And so that bug, if you will, for the corporate side of recruiting, though I never forgot my agency side experiences, 
really sort of put all of that into motion. And I moved from a smaller, mid-sized company to a very large multinational company, 25,000 employees, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That is actually where my business partner and I met. (laughs) And we ended up both leaving that company pretty quickly and deciding that we were going to do our own thing. So that was pretty exciting. What was the push since you weren't innately an entrepreneurial mindset? What was the push to start your own firm? When we were working for this, at the time, a very large international merchant services uh, company, so credit cards and payments, right? They were literally training us to ghost people. And my business partner and I worked on the same team on a daily basis. And just, we had a lot of concern with that. And we both knew that we could do it better. And when we left, we stayed in touch because we had become very close. As a matter of fact, she was at my son's bris, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing, like, We had become very, very good friends and we kind of looked at each other and it was right timing for both of us. And we just said, maybe we should do this. And, you know, when you're hesitant, but you have a yin to your yang, right? And that's very much my business partner and I, we are very much opposites of each other from the, you know, creative to the integrator side of things with our business. And that's how we've been so successful. Perfect. So what is different about you guys? That's a great question. Thank you. So High Talent Acquisition Firm is founded in DEIJ, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Justice. We are Black-owned, woman-owned, minority-owned, a DBE, and a government contractor. We are very proud of those NAICS codes. And we put the human back in human resources. I mean, that's really Mm -hmm. what we've decided to do. There is no ghosting. We don't train that kind of stuff. We, in fact, train on specific leadership instead of stick and carrot. It's more of that trust and inspire. Um, I don't know if you've seen that Stephen Covey book, Trust and Inspire, but that series of books is actually part of what we do. We would rather encourage and inspire and collaborate and, and form leadership amongst our own ranks as opposed to making people do what we want them to do. The training and the aspects bring out natural leadership. That's great. Now, I probably should have asked this earlier, but what exactly is it you're doing? Talent acquisition, I'm assuming someone approaches you, they're like, hey, we have this seat, we need a butt, can you get it? Is that kind (laughs) of it? It's one part of what we do, and I kind of love the way (laughs) that you just post that. That was awesome. So we are human resources and recruiting consultants. So we do the whole gamut, right? Recruiting and talent is one aspect of human resources as a whole. If you think of human resources as the umbrella. Um, From that perspective, we have a few sides to the business, the client side where we are acting, coming in and acting as this company's HR director and talent director and everything behind the scenes that they need from salary assessments and surveys to find out, you know, what the company is doing and thinking and how they're feeling to managing their payroll, to being able to provide those kinds of resources. We need payroll. We need a benefits administrator. We need a CRM, you know, all of those organizational kind of tools and that back end. We get all of that compliant handbook, safety manual, all that kind of policy and procedure and compliance. Make sure that we get them compliant. Make sure we get them running successfully. And then we understand from there, we are a springboard. They're usually ready for something larger than us at that point. Right. So that's one aspect. Then the other aspects are individual services. We offer resume rewrite, reformat and interview preparation, best practices for utilizing your free LinkedIn for your job hunt and putting a whole consulting practice together for individuals who are in the job hunt and desperate at that point, needing to find a job, needing to understand, and more so wanting 
to work with us to streamline a process and phase in. If you have this amount of time, you need a job yesterday or you need a job within three weeks or three months or whatever, let's get it for you on this plan, the successful proven plan to get there. And then we also have an internship program called the Swarm Society. Wow. So internship program, what is the focus on that? The focus is the college student and not the age, just the college student, because we have tons of return to college people of all different ages. My daughter is in college right now, and one of her friends that she's made is in her 40s. That's very cool. Yeah, it's so cool and inspiring seeing people go back and following their passion. I absolutely love it. So do you take all interns or just people who are interested in what you're doing? Or do you connect all facets of students to all facets of careers? We connect all facets of students to all facets of careers. Typically, and when we first started out and we're sort of building that pipeline of potential, you know, individual interests from from potential candidates and interns, it was a little challenging in that we really couldn't just find any internship. We had tons of interested students, but they wanted various things and we just didn't have those clients. Now that we've been doing this for five years, we've got that wide variety. And if we can't necessarily find the internship, we still make sure to try to make contacts, connections, et cetera, right? Networking. We, we are very fortunate and that we have vast networks that we're able to do that. That's great. So what has been your biggest obstacle in pursuing this career and dream? I would say one of the challenges that becomes very frustrating as female business owners and small female business owners at that, or or small business, I should say, female owners, is just the ridiculous discrepancies between what white males get offered as far as cash flow opportunities, you know, loans and things like that. We get maybe a fraction of what larger white owned companies are offered. And it's pathetic. Like someone, we have cash flow issues all the time. And that's just one of the <laughs> many things that, you know, are are detrimental about owning a small business that people should know about. You know, it's not, it's not a cakewalk by any means. And when people talk about blood, sweat and tears, they are telling the truth. <laughs> No one will ever know what it's like to own a small business unless you own a successful small business and know what's happening, you know, in the background and behind the scenes. It's very hard and very challenging. And part of that is cash flow issues. For sure. I own a couple small businesses. One of them's run out of our home. Super easy now that we're four years, three or four. I always forget how many years, but we've been a few years. We just recently purchased a dry cleaner and laundromat. And the roller coaster of financials on owning a business is just, we'll be like, oh yeah, we're profitable thousands of dollars. And then something breaks and we're like, oh, we're in the hole 20 grand, you know, and it happens just like that. It's just like that. It takes a special person to do it. And this is not my story to share. So I'm probably going to butcher it and I'm not going to name who shared it, but she does social media marketing for people. And she was working with someone who was newer and they were like, where are my results? And she's like, bro, we just started. It takes time and social media, you know, you don't just pop off right when you start. Right. He was getting very frustrated with her and she was managing the company. So all of the DMs that they got, she saw as well. Well, he had a male marketer who did the same thing, reach out. And he's like, I'm really frustrated with this company and they don't seem like they have an actual care for us, which really hurt her because she was the owner and waking up super early and doing all of his stuff personally. So that hurt. And then the other marketer was like, well, how much is this worth to you? Would you pay this? And it was like four times what she was getting. And he said, yes, you're hired. 
And she's like, what the hell? Like, I've been literally doing this. And the thing, she fired him. She dropped him immediately. She's like, I don't need you as a client. Mm -hmm. That video that she was up super early in the morning posting popped off. It had tens of thousands of views. And he had had like a hundred before. She's like, so I did it first. Just so everyone's clear. I did it first. I love that. So the discrepancy is quite frustrating, but I hope that the more of us that are out there and discuss it, make it easier for us to fix that, to walk in and be offered this and be like, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. know that when you say no to it, either they'll come back with what you want or you mm-hmm. don't want to work with them anyway, and you'll get it somewhere else. We've had plenty of clients do that to us. Leave us for something else or or put it on hold or whatever it was, right? No, we're not going to do this with you right now. Or this isn't working because they haven't given it enough time or whatever the case may be. And come right back around and go, well, we tried other things and they were not as great. So we'll just be patient this time. So I completely understand that. We talked about the bummer. Now we want the positive. What has helped you out the most? Oh, uh, learning how to meditate and manifesting uh, goals and dreams. Love it. Seriously, my husband um, was really, really good at meditating before I was. And so we worked together on it. And he's definitely taken me to new heights as far as that's concerned. And it really helps start your day off right, right? It really helps your focus. One thing that has helped me with manifestation, because at first I thought it was just a bunch of bullshit. I found someone on Instagram. She's a coach. I can't remember who it was, but she was like, manifestation, there's a lot of hoopla around it and a lot of negativity. And the issue is that people say, put it out there and you get it back. But that's not the case. And they always forget the second step. So first you put it out there. Second, you actually have to work towards whatever that goal is. You can't just say, I want to be a millionaire. And then whammo, you're a millionaire. It doesn't work like that. Right. I agree with you. Yeah. Once I heard it explained like that, it has totally changed how I do my manifestation and mantra work. And I'm seeing huge results. So that's awesome. It's good. What type of meditation do you like? Do you like silent meditation? Are you a chanter or are you like me and need to have a guide? Both um, the silent meditation as well as guidance, guided meditation as well. I prefer silence most of the time for many different reasons. Part of it is the concentration that's necessary sometimes to get you to that next level. But I love guided meditation as well. Awesome. I'm just curious about all the things. I apologize if it's too much. Not at all. Not at all. I'm loving this again. It's kind of rare for men to be more into it than women in my inner circle, at least. So that's really cool to hear that he was into it. Thank you. Does he work with you? No, no, no. He has his own career. Funny enough, we're both in the same specialty industry of transportation engineering. Hive Talent Acquisition Firm does have a specialty in transportation engineering. And my husband does also so happen to be in transportation engineering, a high up fancy, you know, executive (laughs) with a major national private sector engineering firm. But yeah, he needed the, I don't want to say assistance, but he needed the meditation parts and aspects of what he was doing to help make sure that his day moved forward in the way that he wanted it to, controlling anxieties, controlling emotions. And that's really where he's helped me a lot. I'm one of those people who's been told my whole life, you really need to work on that resting bitch face, you know, and you really need to work on how you cut eyes at people. And while that's sexist as hell, some of it has also been very helpful in general in business, right? And being a business owner and, you know, managing relationships that you want to maintain. 
I have an 18 year old and this next generation is super, I don't, I don't know how to say it. They're just like, they want change and they want it now. And that's just not how it works. And it's really hard. We were talking to her about finding a job and we're like, you're having a rough time. Maybe because her hair is green. We're like, maybe for now, let's just dye our hair more natural get yourself into a position. And she's like, well, if they're not going to accept me as who I am, fuck them. I don't want to work for them. I'm like, I totally respect that. But right now you're desperate. And sometimes that means you have to put yourself in a place where you can get a job. And it's so hard to explain how it's complete and utter bullshit, but you have to work with it to change it. It's yeah. so difficult. And that that's kind of what I'm hearing. Did I hear you right? You did. You heard me correctly. Okay. So about four years ago, this is a very interesting story that relates to exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, I give back to my alma mater, Agnes Scott College, um, it's a private women's college in Decatur, Georgia, as I mentioned before. And I, in 2015, they founded their summit program, which has been widely renowned and it's written up and they've won so many awards because of these programs. And I am there volunteering multiple times a year for various things that have to do with human resources and business and being a business owner, et cetera. And I was on a, I think a business management panel speaking to hundreds of gorgeous seniors, just ready to enter the world. And I got asked very specifically by a young woman of color, why she can't wear her natural hair. And I lost my mind in this conversation because I really wanted to tell her, I don't see why you can't, right? Mm -hmm. But I ended up finding myself fumbling horribly and embarrassingly around the fact that, hey, I love you. I love you the way you are. If you love you the way you are, that's really all that matters. But, and then there was the but, right? And that's where the fumbling started happening. And I started saying horrible things that now I regret. And now I don't say anymore, right? I started saying things like, maybe just going to one of the more natural colors of, you know, black, brown, red, blonde, and and all those shades in between for an interview. Then you can be you, you know, when you get there kind of thing. And I hated myself truly for saying that. And the feedback afterwards was less than ideal, right? For Mm -hmm. obvious reasons, some white woman telling, you know, many, many women of color to, to not be their authentic selves, basically. And I will never, ever do that again, not only to anyone else, but myself either, right? It was, it was a struggle to even have those words come out of my mouth. And I think I remember saying, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Like I'm hearing myself and I can't believe I'm saying these things to you and just the look on her face and everybody else in that audience after that I mean I'd lost I'd lost that I'd lost them everything right so from here on out I will say and I will give you the advice to please give your daughter from a professional fuck that noise right (laughs) she should in in fact own that green hair or whatever the color the hair is at the time if someone doesn't want to hire her because she has green hair she doesn't want to work there anyway and I know she's desperate like you said in this situation but how desperate are you to enter a toxic environment that you're going to leave anyway right right so it is kind of six in one hand half a dozen in the other and I say to your daughter wear that green hair all righty she'll be happy to hear (laughs) The the hair doesn't affect the skill set. And what I love about your daughter's generation is, yeah, okay, smartphones and, and technology has gotten us all to the point where her generation and others in the millennial, zennial, and now alpha generations, you know, are are out there 
talking because of social media. They want everything really, really fast, but they have made, I won't say complete normalcy, but they are making normalcy out of things that we never spoke about. And that let's say boomers and, and, and after, right, never speak about. They have brought real change and will continue to do so from the perspective of social media and these kinds of platforms that, like I said, are more normalizing, speaking about things that we never would have spoken about. And that is why people of your daughter's generation are those change makers, because they want those changes and they want them now. And I've honestly never been more encouraged about the future of politics, about the future of, you know, us as adults being taken care of by that generation. I am pleasantly pleased that all of them are finding their own voices, are actively interested in voting, are actively interested in activism again, kind of like our childhoods all over again. And it's circled back around, fingers mm -hmm. crossed, right? So it's very uplifting. I know. I knew as soon as I read your profile that your focus is on diversity and everything that this question was built for you. And why do you feel it's imperative for women to work in your field? And I mean, I can say because your talent acquisition in any field that you try to fill. That is what I will say is it's imperative for women to work in any field that they feel they want to work in, right? I don't necessarily feel that there is a need for women to work in human resources per se or in, in talent acquisition per se, but if and when and should you choose to work there, own it, own it and own it from, from your heart, right? Make those relationships, develop those networks and stay with them. Don't just be like, I don't need you today. So you're out of sight, out of mind. It's a constant thing. Now, why do you think it's it's so important for women to follow their dreams? <laughs> because men follow their dreams and are successful or <laughs> unsuccessful all the time. Why are we any different? Equal right. opportunity. Yeah. Follow those Agreed. dreams to the ends of the earth, baby. <laughs> Agreed, 100%. So what advice would you give someone wanting to enter your profession, either talent mm. acquisition or co-founding a business? Mm. I'd say talk to quite a few different business owners to get the real scoop, right? We have situations where we hire people who may or may not have had the experience of small business or startup. And the best that you can do to try to explain how that, how different that is from a typical corporate America role and, and job kind of goes in one ear out the other until you've had the experience. And, and that's not for everybody, but that's a very general statement. So it's kind of important to talk to people about that first. Yeah, that's really good advice. So you gave us good stuff. Now I need to know what's the best advice you've ever received? Other than shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, one to, no one to shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh my God, best advice I've ever received. That's a really tough one. I think this might be perfect for this day and age. And I probably did hear this early on in my career, but in, in the age that day and age and time that we're in now, it probably relates pretty well. I would say finding and understanding empathy and grace, kindness in your everyday work. It's one of the most important things that you can understand, right? I am not necessarily a big picture person. I don't necessarily have the capability to sit there and say steps through 27, like run through 27 are going to happen. And I see everything as far as a project management opportunity. Um, and there are quite a few people out there who can do that. And I would say from that perspective, if you're like me and you can't see 27 steps ahead, like I can probably see three or four steps ahead, um, and perhaps with some training of some kind, I might be able to do a little bit more, then you definitely need to make sure that you uh, work with grace and that you are 
subject to understanding the moments when empathy is necessary. People make mistakes. People have bad days. People, you know, life happens. You've yeah. got to let that kind of swing on certain things, right? Yeah, I love that. It kind of reminds me, I heard recently, well, we have a blog at work and my manager wrote in it. And essentially what I got from it was approach an incident or life or whatever you're doing, approach it with the thought that the person you're interacting with doesn't have ill intent. That's a good one. That's a really good one. So automatically assuming positivity instead of negativity, which yes, it's hard to do. And for many people, getting that chip off your shoulder can be challenging, right? Mm -hmm. But instead of approaching with negativity, I do agree with you on that, that switch, switch that up, flip that script and somehow find the silver lining. Right. And it really helps, especially when women in male dominated fields, I can tell you that sometimes I am jaded when I walk up to a particular age of white male. I do. Mm -hmm. I come up with my hackles already up because in my experience, my personal experience, I have to fight. So since reading that, when I approach these individuals, I try to keep my guard down and it actually is a much easier conversation because I have entered into conversations with some of these men and made it worse because I came at them aggressively when Mm. there was no need for it. So it's definitely helped me. So we all have a choice, right? And I love that there have been times when you thought your choice and because it is your choice and decision was to immediately be on the defensive because you just got a sense or whatever, right? Or that your choice was, I'm going to walk into this with a positive approach and we'll just see what happens, right? And like everything in life, and especially these days as white women, right? And utilizing our privilege to others, especially marginalized people's advantages, right? It would behoove all of us to just take a moment and if you see something or hear something going on that's incredibly uncool and uncouth to stand up and and politely insert yourself because of that, right? It's a challenge for all of us. And I think more so than ever as allies and advocates out there, that's part of our responsibilities, you know, to do that. And that is how real change happens. Keep having the conversations, right? And the dialogues and try to, I know it's challenging, but try to calm people down in the moment, not by saying calm down, obviously, but <laughs> expressing, <laughs> I've learned that one too. Don't tell people to calm down. Right. That's a bad one. <laughs> you have anxiety. Have you tried to not? Oh, wow. Perfect. I'm, I'm healed now. No, right. I, I had no idea. Thank you so much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we haven't talked at all about your book. Tell us what we, what we can expect if we decide to get that. I really appreciate you. Thank you for bringing that up. So yeah, so this book actually um, was not supposed to be a book at all. It was honestly just my personal therapy coming to an end that I was very proud of. Uh, Many, many journals over the years from personal loss in my life, having lost Mm -hmm. my entire immediate family to cancer uh, Mm -hmm. before I graduated college. (laughs) So that was very challenging in itself, stepping into pseudo adulthood with no real mentor or safety net or any of that, even though you have other family and you have friends or whatever. It's one of the most lonely places to be in life for sure. 
And I often felt throughout my life that people that I was just sort of running into on a daily basis hadn't really suffered any sort of immediate family style type loss, right? Maybe a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle here and there or something like, or, or a pet, and certainly not trying to downplay any of those losses by any means. But there is something to be said about losing your mother, your father, and your brother, or your anyone's immediate family, however big and large that is, right? right. So the book, like I said, started from journals, just a ton of journaling over my years of therapy to try to heal that trauma so that it doesn't manifest in awful negative ways. And I do talk about self-sabotage in the book and, and why that's so important for any trauma to be able to heal yourself properly. And so, like I said, this book is the culmination of all of that healing. And I'm still working on it, just so you know, my healing will probably be ongoing and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think that there's so much that we can accomplish that if we stop working on ourselves, it's just a huge disservice. We just quit. There's always more you can unpeel. We're an onion, like Shrek says. We're That's all right. onions. We're all onions. There's layers, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Shrek's a great movie, by the way. I love that whole series. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit before we got the podcast rolling. I like to know what you do for fun. And it sounds like I'd like to hear what you do for fun, but it sounds like you also like to give. So I'd like to hear about all of your volunteer work too. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's uh, that's the fun part, right? <laughs> I mean, it's all yes. fun. Life is amazing. But yeah, so um, for fun, my I have a husband and a son and we have three dogs and we live in the greater metro Atlanta area and we love live music and live sporting events, which has been challenging over the past few years. Yes. Um, I'm honestly not sure we're still quite ready for large crowds. Uh, my husband and I have a little bit of that social anxiety coming back into, you know, civil civilian life, right? Yes. Um, so we've been trying slowly to, to get back into it, but we're still not sure we're going to get there as far as um, large live sporting events and large live music but and concerts. But we are um, avid Braves fans here in Atlanta. Yeah, same. Yeah. We went to Atlanta in 2019 to see the Braves. We saw oh, them. Yeah. yeah, the day after they clinched. That's awesome. So, that is yeah. awesome. It was Very so cool. cool. Yeah, it was so cool. We got out of our Uber. We were really close by and mm -hmm. we heard the Braves chant when they clinched at the end of the game. It was cool. So awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very cool. Um, I will be very honest, and this probably won't go over well, and you can determine if you're going to put this in or not. I mm -hmm. um, am not a tomahawk chopper. I have never been. Um, I moved to Georgia in 1994 from West Los Angeles. I was born and raised there and moved here when I was 14. And yeah, I, I have never done it because I always felt it was offensive to be honest right. <laughs> and now my six-year-old kind of looks at both of us at the game because we're season ticket holders and we have been since we were married it was actually my wedding gift to my husband was uh brave season tickets so he looks at us and my husband doing the chop or not doing the chop and me not doing the chop ever and then people around us you know doing the chop and he's like why aren't we doing this you know and that conversation hasn't fully happened for understanding yet because he is six right. but we'll figure it out but even when you hear it if you don't participate you you know we knew oh, what happened yeah. exactly we knew what happened we knew they clinched before we saw our phones or anything so that is awesome I'm so glad you were able feeling. to experience that it was really awesome for the city of Atlanta and for Braves fans and we're just ecstatic looking forward to the future oh for sure okay I interrupted you you're avid okay. Braves fans what else 
Yes. Sorry. Avid Braves fans. My husband's a UGA graduate. Go dogs. Um, like I said, I graduated from Agnes Scott and we are also Jewish. So we belong to a lovely, uh, smaller sized temple in the greater metro Atlanta area. I guess shameless plug for Temple Emmanuel in Sandy Springs. That's fine. <laughs> So us, yay. Um, And so we do a lot of volunteer work there. I'm a board member there. I'm also the head of Chavara. I'm the chair for Chavara, which uh, is fellowship groups. That's what that means in Hebrew, basically. So just like in recruiting, I recruit people into groups and and try to match them, you know, in their personalities together for for fellowship, basically. And it works out really, really well. And I was specifically asked to do it by our head rabbi. So when your clergy asks, you answer. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So we do a lot with our temple. I personally also volunteer with uh, Atlanta Jewish Federation. I sit on um, several committees there as well. Uh, I volunteer at my son's school. He goes to Ashford Park Elementary School. So we do some volunteering with them. We give back with Atlanta Food Pantry. Um, And in the past, and I would love to get back into this, I have done a lot pre-college and college in, in my 20s with Habitat for Humanity. It's where I learned how to paint walls and, and various sorts of things with plaster. Right. <laughs> it's it's good stuff to know. I'm sure you've done some home renovations by yourself then, huh? We are currently putting in a pool, so you know it. <laughs> oh, I had no idea, guys. I was just guessing. That was a good one. <laughs> That's really all I have, except I want to know, what are you reading? Oh, that's a really good question. Got to make sure I get the title correct. So it's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, How to Lose Your Mind and Create a New One by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And actually, I'm going to tell you, this is my second time reading the book because my husband and I, like I said, are going to collaborate and take our meditation to the next level. This is where truly the whole meditating between the two of us and my husband helping me and all that started with this book. My husband had sort of been reading several articles about how to rewire your own brain. And the concept was fascinating to both of us. And he read this book and actually connected and has corresponded back and forth with Dr. Dispenza. And I'm telling you, it is so cool to see all of it work. My husband lost 40 pounds because he was able to calm himself down via meditation and literally rewire his brain to be more empathetic, to be more compassionate. And it helped overall in business and in life. It saved our marriage. I mean, literally, it was one of the most phenomenal steps that he could have taken as as an individual. And I was like, I'm on that journey with you right now. Thank you. (laughs) That is so awesome. I've been through a lot of therapy and EMDR. Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. You rewire your brain. Mm-hmm. It is so good. It transformed my life. I am a completely different woman than I was before. That's amazing. So Congratulations. It's Thank you. But it is so amazing what the brain does and what it is possible of. Like it kind of terrifies me the more I think about it, you know, so I try not to get too, too deep into that rabbit hole. But <laughs> I worked with a woman for a year and a half and completely sent different neural pathways through my brain and changed my outlook on life. It's insane. Yep. In a good way. <laughs> In a good way. Absolutely. I know yes. it sounds a little scary and crazy for, for your listeners listening, but I promise you all it's not, it doesn't hurt, right? There's, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just hard work. I mean, your brain might get a little tired, right? Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, emotionally, emotionally, yeah. it can be hard, yeah. hurtful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then you build yourself right back up mm-hmm. and you become an even better person. 
and it's wonderful. Awesome. I'm definitely going to have to look that book up. It's a sounds good. Just to show you. Yeah. <laughs> it's already on my wish list. I already have it. It's on Fantastic. there. Because oh you. you recognized the, yeah, the, the, the logo. logo. Good. Brain oh, yeah. thing. Dr. Joe is, is a great human being. You'll like awesome. it. Awesome. I'll yeah. have to bump it up the list then. Bump it up the list. All righty, Dana. That is all I have. Did you have anything else you wanted to throw out there? Any more questions? Be kind to each other. Just be kind to each other. And thank you so much, Dina, for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Of course. So when everybody wants to find you or maybe help some of your causes, work with you, hire you, what are all the <laughs> ways they can contact you? Please do all of that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that would be amazing. And I look forward to it. So we are um, at Hive Taff. So that's at H-I-V-E-T-A-F as in Frank on all the social media uh, platforms. That's the handle. Um, I can be reached via our website, www.hivetaf.com, H-I-V-E-T-A-F.com. You can feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. That's really the only social media personally that I have. And it would be my pleasure. And thank you again. Awesome. That's so great, Dana. Thank you so much for this time and go Braves. I mean, have a good weekend. <laughs> hey, go Braves. Go go Trojans. My Trojans are uh, playing tonight. So fight on for the uh, Pac-12 championship. And I'm wearing my Marcus Allen jersey because I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. All right. You have a very good weekend. And thanks again. You as well. Thank you again, Dina. Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff. We put the hammer right down. Wanna be like